What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the Final Four is Not on the Schedule, a Blue Wire Network podcast. He is Rod, I am Cameron. Uh, and Rod, we got some more news. Um, it looks like Foster Lawyer has now entered the transfer portal, um, which brings the total uh, up to, what, five people now have um, either transferred or graduated or, or declared for the draft. Six, actually, with Hoiberg. Um, well, who do we have? Hold on a second. So we've got Langford yep. retired. We've yep. got Watts, Kithier, and Lawyer. And Henry and Hoiberg. Oh, Henry to the NBA. Correct. Okay, so six. Right. Yeah. I forgot about Aaron. It was just always such an a fait accompli thing. <laughs> <laughs> Slips my mind, but obviously you're correct. Uh, that's quite a bit of attrition um, in one year. I mean, more so than we, we're used to. Um, but what's what's your thoughts on lawyer? I mean, I don't think that this is a big surprise to to you or our listeners. Um, but you know, what's your takeaway with it? You know, it would have been a surprise to me in January. You know, there have been people basically since Foster Lawyer's freshman season who wanted nothing more than to see him out, and Kithier as well. And it's really bothered me to see that behavior from the fan base, um, which I've expressed here and, and elsewhere often. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's not Foster Lawyer's fault that he had a strong buildup, and frankly, it was one that he deserved. And I'll put myself there. Am I surprised? that um, he didn't meet expectations, absolutely. I thought he, and I understood his physical limitations, but I also saw him play at one of the best high school careers ever in the state of Michigan in, in Class A. So you're playing, let's not forget, his junior year, he individually destroyed a Grand Rapids Christian team that had Xavier Tillman and Dwayne Washington on it. Mm. Destroyed them. So... You know, the kid was legit, and I saw him do it in AAU against even better competition. So I was absolutely surprised, and I'll take the hit. I thought that he would overcome his physical limitations because of the way he thought the game and his skills, and that never translated once he got to Michigan State. But, you know, he didn't he didn't have any fault in that. He just went out and played and had a great career before he hit college. Um, and I've never heard anything about his not working on his game. 
you know, always appeared to be the consummate teammate. You saw that this year after he was hurt. He was doing more coaching than we've ever seen a Michigan State player do with the possible exception of Mateen Cleaves during his senior year. Mm. when he was That's the only other guy that comes uh, close, in my opinion. Um, so I, 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 I took a lot of that criticism um, hard by Michigan State fans for that reason, because I don't think he deserved it. He didn't have he didn't have a great Michigan State career. There's no debate about that. That's a fact. That's in the that's in the statistics and the playing time and all of that. That's and your eyes when you watch the games. But I will say this: I think before he got hurt, I think those last five games or so that he played, where he just couldn't hit a shot anymore, and we didn't know that his shoulder was as bad as it was. It really skewed his numbers. Yeah. Up to that point, he was having a pretty good season. Now. Was he good enough that you should say, okay, there's your starting point guard and you're great with that? No, I wouldn't argue that. But Foster Lawyer got better as a player. I'm absolutely convinced of that. And and I think in a different situation, he could have been a valuable contributing member to a very good team. I absolutely, at this level. And I think I'm going to be very interested to see where he ends up. Um, he has not announced, I haven't even seen an, an interest of, uh, a list of um, interested schools, and I, and we're recording this. This news broke last night. We're recording this about seven o'clock on Tuesday. Um, what is it, the twentieth? Yeah. And I haven't seen a statement from Foster or from Tom Izzo yet. I don't think it's come out. If it has, I've missed it. Um, so it's early in that process. But I'm very interested to see where he goes. Mm-hmm. I think there's been this belief that. Well, he'll just go to, you know, a Horizon League school or a Summit League school, and that's where he belongs, ah, da, 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 da. Maybe, but like Kithier, he is going as a grad transfer, with, but with two years of eligibility. He is a graduate, or will be at the end of the semester. Mm. So he graduated in three years. Um, hats off to him for that. Like Kithier, reportedly a great student. Um you know, I think I think that there's a lot to admire about what he did at Michigan State, and I wish him nothing but great success. The same way I felt about the other two guys that announced their transfers. You know, I, I hope he finds the right fit wherever that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think it's going to be interesting because, you know, say what you want, in a modern game, there is a premium placed on an ability to hit shots. And a healthy foster lawyer can hit shots. Yeah. Now the, the question is, can he give you enough otherwise to justify his being out there? You know, and I think that really depends on your roster fit, what other guys you've got that he's going to play around, all of that. But I won't be. I'm not saying I, I'm not wed to any outcome in terms of what level I think he's going to end up at. And I say that partially because although they're very different players. You know, for all the people who went on and on about how Thomas Kithier wasn't a, wasn't a Michigan State or even a Power Five level player, and we'll talk about his decision in a minute. But guess what? When he hit the portal, he had three Power Five offers, mm-hmm. including two in the Big Ten. Now he didn't end up going that route, but that tells me lots of other coaches besides Tom Izzo thought that Thomas Kithier contributed to a Power Five program in some fashion. And and I'm not going to be totally shocked if there's a similar conversation around Foster Lawyer for different reasons. I'm not saying that's where I think he ends up. It really depends upon 
what he wants to do. Um, the other thing, the other part of it that's interesting to me is my understanding is there was a lot of discussion within Foster's, you know, people around Foster, which in his case is his family primarily and Michigan State about whether he would play basketball again. And I think that's also going to be a factor in his transfer decision, by the way, because he's got to have shoulder surgery. I believe he's had it already. I think he had it while the season was still going on Uh toward the end. Um, So depending upon the prognosis there, you know, when you think you're going to be able to get him back on a court, that would impact people's interest. But there was talk about his becoming a – grad assistant at Michigan State going into coaching. Now, what this decision tells me is he's decided he's not quite done playing basketball Mm. yet. And, you know, if that's what he wants to do, fantastic. But I think the moment that Michigan State added Tyson Walker, it was pretty clear, pretty obvious that unless A.J. Hogard surprised everybody and transferred, there wasn't going to be a spot for Foster Lawyer. You know, there wouldn't be minutes at the very least, you know, with Walker and with Aikens on hand. Um, there just wasn't going to be a role. So it really was going to come down to, did he want to continue playing basketball? If that was the case, he'd likely have to do it elsewhere. If he didn't and he wanted to get into coaching right away, well, then he might stick, stick at Michigan State into a grad assistant role. He's obviously decided for the former. Mm. Uh, so uh, you mentioned uh, Kithier, um, and where we kind of speculated where we think he may uh, end up, and it turns out um, Valparaiso. Uh, yeah, um, you know, an interesting choice. And Valpo isn't just just to remind people. I know sometimes it's hard to keep track of all these shuffles that go on, especially outside of the Big Ten. But Valpo is a Missouri Valley Conference school now, just like Loyola. They moved like Loyola did. And I think it was the same year. From the horizon. So Valpo, over the course of like a decade, moved from the summit to the horizon to the Missouri Valley. Now, they're four, they've had four years in the Missouri Valley. I looked it up. They're four games under 500 in league play during that time. So they haven't torn it up the way they did in the summit and the horizon. You think mm. back to, you know, home, when Homer Drew was there and then later Bryce Drew, yeah. Valpo, one of those, you know, annual, threats to win their league and they did it a lot get into the tournament maybe upset somebody you know they had a lot of good teams um they haven't been quite that level since moving to the missouri valley but that's a tick up in terms of competition as well so maybe not too surprising that they're having a little bit of an adjustment that they're going through but an interesting spot so not the summit league not the horizon like i heard from a lot of michigan state people kithier was only fit to play at those levels and as I mentioned a second ago, he actually chose Valpo over offers from Indiana. Wow. Um, Dane Fife knows yeah. him pretty well, right? Yeah. Uh, Nebraska, Fred Hoiberg knows him pretty well, you know, by virtue of his son playing there. And, um, and then Clemson out of the ACC. So I wow. don't know, folks. That tells me that some coaches out there thought, he was still capable of contributing at this level, right? Um, I, I suspect that his decision was based on uh, the fact that if Valpo, he figures, is a clear path to a role. I'm not suggesting that any of those schools I just mentioned 
looked at Thomas Kithier as a guy who would come in and start and play 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. But they obviously thought he was capable of helping them. At Michigan State, he just happens to be right now in a log jam where they've got three other guys, and it's it's reasonable, I think, to conclude that you know Marcus Bainham, as we've talked about, had turned a corner. And if you believe that that's permanent, then even just the level he played at, say, the last 10 games or so last season, if he just stays there, he's going to get you know, significant playing time. Mm-hmm. You've got Julius Marble, who's heading into his junior year. He showed that maybe he's starting to find something in terms of his defense and his rebounding. I personally think he's got a long way to go in those two areas still. But you can make an argument that he's finding it. And then the, to me, the big one is Sissoko. If Sissoko gets a full off season at Michigan State, there is no telling where he will be by next fall, or especially by next Big Ten season. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think that's probably the equation for Thomas Kithier. And playing at the four is not realistic because you got Hall and Hauser. Those two guys are going to eat up all those minutes, mm-hmm. and whatever they don't probably would be a small ball option like a Pierre Brooks, you know, somebody like that, Gabe Brown. You know, there, there just really wasn't a path to any minutes for Thomas anymore because um, the way he had been used, especially the last two years, was kind of as a quality control guy. Mm-hmm. It, it played him to hold other guys accountable and when he just couldn't live with the mistakes other guys would make. Well, those other guys have, have learned from that, I think. Marcus Bainham especially. He's the, he's the prime example of that where – he has made enough strides that that you're no longer afraid to play him because you're afraid of what mistakes he might make. Instead, he's not making as many mistakes, and that allows the upside, uh, the good things that he does, to really shine through and impact games. Yeah. So I think that's what it came down to for Thomas. But, um, again, good luck to him. I hope he kills it at Valpo. Hope they win the Missouri. Well, I hope they do very well in the Missouri Valley. I'm kind of pulling for Loyola because I want uh, I want Drew Valentine to establish himself and prove that he's a viable candidate to maybe be a guy in the mix at Michigan State when the time comes. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, I, I want all these guys to do very well. They all have done nothing um, but represent the school in, in fine fashion from everything I've ever heard and seen. And, um, you know, again, to, just like Foster Lawyer, Thomas Kithier is part of two Big Ten turn or Big Ten championship teams, a Big Ten tournament championship team, and a Final Four team. Mm. That's not a bad run. Yeah, not at all. And he should get a pretty damn good opportunity at Valpo. You, you know? would think. I, I don't know their roster well enough, but they they're not coming in off a great season, and. Generally speaking, you would assume the fact that he made that choice rather than the the high majors right. that were in the mix suggests that he sees a path to a, a serious role. So mm-hmm. I, would, I would tend to agree with you, but I I can't speak knowledgeably about their situation. And mm-hmm. I, and I mean quite honestly, who can speak that confidently about any team's roster situation? Right. <laughs> now, yeah, within reason. You know, you go. I was I mentioned this on the Spartan Mag board. Uh, earlier today, it's to the point right now. This was in response to somebody posting about Joe Lenardi's way, way early bracketology. <laughs> well, five, five years ago, it was absurd to do it because even five years ago, 
you still didn't have all your early entry decisions done by this point. The guys were going to stay in the draft. You would still have grad transfer possibilities out there. But to, so even then it was like, well, wait a minute. Let's wait until at least, I think in that period when, when Sam and I started this, we would do our spring Big Ten preview usually in the end of May. Mm-hmm. We felt like it had settled down enough that you knew what teams were going to look like, barring major surprises during the offseason. Now, are you kidding me? <laughs> right up until. It is day to day. I mean, just today I saw Maryland Jarius Hamilton, who played a significant role for them off the bench, announced he's transferring. Oh, you know, wow. So it's just guys. He, didn't he just get there? Day. He just transferred well, in there, didn't he? Correct, from Boston College. Well, I think he had to sit out a year. I think he was a sit-out transfer. So oh. he was actually there two years, played one just this past season. And, I mean, I know he wasn't starting. All I can speak to is the times I saw them playing, especially the two times against Michigan State, he was a problem. Yeah. So I'm not sorry to see him go if he, if he splits the Big Ten. Um but that's what I mean. I mean, people are talking about Maryland's. Oh, they've added great pieces, and they got so much coming back. Who the hell knows? Wiggins is in the draft. We don't know what he's going to do. Mm. If he leaves, that impacts them substantially. Now you got Hamilton, who you know you can't say was a huge, huge factor, but definitely a significant piece of their rotation. Yeah, especially for a team that wasn't very deep at all. Now he's gone. Well, you know, and and that's no knock on Maryland. That's everybody. That could be Michigan State. I can't – we can speak day-to-day about how it looks, but there's always the possibility that tomorrow would bring something more surprising. Mm-hmm. To date, everything that's happened is in line with what – and I think you alluded to this, that lawyer's decision wasn't too surprising, yeah. and that's true. To date, everything that's happened um, has been more or less according to where we thought it would go by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. One way or the other. I didn't know whether Kithier and Lawyer were actually going to be playing basketball or whether they would just be retiring from the sport. They're both playing, but they're going to be doing it somewhere else, which is the same effect for MSU. Mm-hmm. You know, we knew Aaron Henry was going. He's gone. By the end of the season, I think we had the idea that Josh Langford was probably done. That's happened. Maybe the only surprise, and wasn't a big surprise was Fred Hoiberg or uh, Jack Hoiberg. I mean, mm-hmm. um, but again, have we heard about where he's going yet? Yeah, um, University of Texas Arlington, I think. Okay, which is a program that's had some success in the last five years or so. I don't think they were very good this year, but yeah, he's so he's going to still be D one, um, and I assume has a real chance to play. So um, yeah, that's where he's at. So we have a decision with him. Interestingly, no decision with Rocket Watts, and really no hints out there in public, at least, that the one thing that and maybe we should talk about this because I don't think we've mentioned it. Right out of the shoot, there was a lot of speculation about Louisville. Uh-huh. That now seems to have turned to being highly unlikely. Um, Louisville's added some guys as well at his position, so that that further supports the idea that it's not going to be Louisville. There was a mention maybe about a week or so ago about Kentucky. I find that hard to imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, possible. You never know for sure. But I just don't see that as a fit. Um, because Rock would be unlikely to be a starter at Kentucky, I, I think. Uh, 
Um, I don't know that his role would be much different than it would have been at Michigan State, so why bother? Yeah. You know, I, w- I would think he's looking for an opportunity where somebody is going to say, you've got every chance to be a starter and a major cog for us. I just don't know where that's going to be. Um, so that one is yet to sort out. Obviously, with Foster just having made this decision, we don't know. You know, his injury situation might complicate things a little bit too. But um, so we don't know where either of those guys are going to land. We know where Hoiberg's going. We know where Kithier's going. Um, but uh, remains to be seen with the other two. So that opens up another spot, which right. kind of gives them some additional flexibility, so that they can. Have that one kind of sitting on the back burner in case Amon Bates reclassifies and well, they don't have to worry about it. And then they have an additional one now that correct. they can fish for transfers. Correct. That's absolutely correct. So you've now got 11 scholarships tied up next year. So if you think about it, um, the senior class that still exists, which was a five-man class when they came in, the class 2018, um, is now three guys because Joey Hauser joined it by transferring. Yeah. So Joey, um, Gabe Brown, and Marcus Bainham. Okay. You have, so that's three. You got two others in that 2019 class, Rock left, but you have Malik Hall, you have Julius Marble. So that's five guys. Then you've got last season's two-man class of, um, uh, Hogard and Sissoko, right? So that's seven. And then we have three-man freshman class with Christie and Akins and Brooks. And then you have the transfer Tyson Walker, who will have junior eligibility. So that's your 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and it means you've got now five front court players, so five guys for the four and the five spots, and then six guys on the perimeter. You've got Walker, Akins, and Hogard as guys who could play the point, and you've got Brown, Christie, and Brooks who slot in primarily as wings. And, of course, there's some flexibility there. I expect that Jaden Akins will play some off the ball mm-hmm. this year. And I mention that because I think that has an impact on what we're talking about, um, which is at least one spot for a transfer. And then you've got the specter of Amani Bates. So let's talk about Bates first. Uh, it's a constant question that gets asked on message boards and on Twitter, you know, anywhere there's Michigan State content which is when will Imani decide? And the reality is that Imani's going to decide whenever he wants to decide. And personally, I don't expect that decision to come anytime real soon, meaning I don't expect it this month. I don't expect it in May. I could mm-hmm. be wrong. They might make that decision tomorrow. And I think that's that's the, the trick with the bait situation is that um, there's, there's so much um, – that's kept close to the vest. Despite all the people that want to act as if they know what the decision is, I, I don't. I don't think anybody truly knows for sure. I think there are people with um, better inclinations than others. There are. Let's put it this way: there are more people out there who think they know what's going to be done and think they know what the family's intention is 
than than I think I actually do. Mm. I think that's a safe assessment. Um, I we're just starting to gear up into AAU season right now. I would be surprised personally if Amani and Amani would be in the seventeen and under. That's his class now is the highest level. Um, I would be surprised if he didn't play that out. So that means you're getting into July. Mm. I would expect him to play the AAU season. That's just a guess. I'm not based that on anything other than gut instinct and, and just how these situations tend to go. Um, I just don't think he's likely to do that, um, to make a call any earlier than that. And then you just have to see from there, you know. So that one, I would say to people, there's always the possibility for anything, you know. You, you rule nothing out in terms of when a decision might come, but um, I'm personally not expecting one anytime really soon. Mm. So if you're Michigan State, then you look at this and you say, okay, we've got two spots. Do we wait on Amani? Do we feel like we've got to go ahead and make a move? I, I would say this. The way I'm reading it right now, I do not sense any urgency on their part to just mm-hmm. fill those slots. And I don't think they're going to fill them just to go fill them. Yeah. You know, yeah. if they're going to add somebody from the portal, it's going to be somebody that they believe can make a serious impact. And, and so when you look at it, where might that come from? And do you actually need two guys? Or would you take one and then you just kind of bank that scholarship? I kind of think that's what they're going to do, meaning bank that scholarship. Mm-hmm. And and you can read that as, oh, they, they really believe that Amani is going to reclassify and they need it. Maybe. I don't, again, I don't think anybody knows for sure. I've talked countless hours here and elsewhere about the reasons why I think it makes a lot of sense, much more so than a lot of national types seem to understand, um, why it makes a lot of sense for him to come to Michigan State. But do I know definitively he's going to do it? No, nobody does. Hmm. So, except maybe for the people in that family, maybe. So, at least not with that extra. Uh, scholarship though you can you can go talk to people in the in the portal and not have them think that you might not actually be serious you know what I mean right that's right and and that's correct um, and also I think it it gives you flexibility in terms of what you're looking to do I do think Michigan State probably needs to add somebody and we've talked about this before. We talked about this on the last episode. Mm-hmm. I think that when I look at their roster right now, to me, the piece that's missing is most notably on the wing and specifically a guy with experience and some defensive chops. Yeah, I don't think Michigan State needs to go out and find a guy who can get them 15 a night. I don't see that. I think, you know... I hate to use a Michigan example, but somebody like a, a Brown, uh, Chaundy Brown on their team. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think somebody like that who can be a guy, that, and it might not even have to be a guy who plays quite that large a role, but somebody like that I think is what they need because 
I, I do think Jaden Aiken's going to be a really good defensive player. Really good. As a freshman, you know, there may be, especially with strength, there may be some progressing that he has to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, him I'm pretty, pretty uh, optimistic on. I think Gabe is a, is a decent defender, and I think he could get better over this offseason. You hope that he does. But they still need more there. And, and when I look at the other two guys, Pierre Brooks, I think in time, will be fine defensively. But a freshman, a guy who isn't quite as advanced as Aikens at that end, mm. I don't know what to expect from Pierre as a freshman. And Max Christie, I just don't have a feel. I haven't seen him enough. I think there may be some strength issues beyond that. I know he's got good length, so that helps. But I don't know. He could come in and be great as a freshman, but I don't know that. So when you look at that group as a whole, doesn't it kind of – don't you think it kind of cries out for somebody to say, hey, if I need somebody to come in and give us, you know, 15, 18 minutes a night where the primary contribution is defense, that mm-hmm. Michigan could use that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think they'd need some strength there. Cause Gabe's, yeah. you know, Gabe's, he's, you know, pretty good defensively and, and, but he's, he's still pretty thin. Yeah. And Christie's pretty thin, um, as probably an understatement. Pierre Brooks is bigger, but, but it'd be nice to have an experienced guy that's like a little bit bulkier, you know, that can handle some right. of the bigger well, things. And let's not forget. I mean, Michigan State is coming off a year where for as much as they struggled, at least they knew, hey, we've got Aaron Henry who we can just move around as needed, Mm -hmm. guard anybody from a one through a four, sometimes even a five, as we saw against Ohio State, (laughs) and and just kind of take that guy out, Mm -hmm. right? They had that flexibility. Well, right now there's nobody – like that. I think Michigan really? State's going to be better defensively at the point than they were last year because Tyson Walker, he was his conference's player of the year defensively. Um, he's smaller, but extremely quick, disruptive. You know, he's going to be playing in a little bit different approach than he did at Northeastern, I think. I don't expect the steel numbers to be as good as they were at, North, at Northeastern, but I think he can be pretty good there. I expect him to be pretty good. And then, I again, I'm really optimistic about Aikens defensively. I think his growth is probably going to need to come more on the offensive end, just kind of figuring out how to run an offense at this level, those types of things. But defensively, I'm going to be surprised if he's not pretty decent mm-hmm. as a freshman. So I think they're better there when you think about what they had last year. Rocks inconsistency. Foster Lawyer played okay, but had physical limitations, and then Hogarth just wasn't ready. Um, you know, they're going to be better there, but on the wing where they were pretty good last year with Langford, with Henry, that, you know, right now it kind of feels like that takes a step back. And so I think you want to add a guy there. So if it were me, that's probably where I'd be looking. The interesting thing is Michigan State currently, there's nobody in the portal that they're reported to have expressed interest to. Now, they may have talked to some people, and we just don't know about it in Mm. terms of what's probably available. But – as of right now, there's nobody out there. You know, there were there have only three guys in the portal so far that MSU was reportedly reached out to. Um, there was uh, the kid from Indiana, Al uh, Al Durham. Yeah. Who, is it Vanderbilt that he ended up at, or Prov- Providence? It was Providence. He ended up at he ended up at Providence, so he's in the Big East. Um, 
and at that point, I, I, I don't think I, I don't think Al Durham would be an ideal. I, I like him, but I don't think he would necessarily be happy at a Michigan State because I don't know that the role available would be quite big enough. Yeah, for what he's looking for, um, they got Tyson Walker, so they got him, and then the other guy is John Harrar, the big man from Penn State, who just announced today as we're recording this that he's returning to Penn State. Um, so he's off the table. Nobody else has been mentioned with Michigan State. So, you know, you could look at that and say, boy, they aren't anxious. I think they I think they want to add at least a guy. Mm-hmm. But I think it's got to be the right guy. And I think they're being patient. They also know, by the way, far, far better than any of us the lay of the land out there. Do not kid yourself. Michigan State is likely very aware of what other guys may be out there who are on the edge of looking to move. And so my was, read of the situation is what they I, are waiting go to see the right guy. I had heard, uh, I think Keon Brooks went into the transfer portal. Isn't that a guy they looked at? That went did he of, really? I think From he, Kentucky. I think he did, yeah. Interesting. Um, well, you is know, there a way to look at this transfer portal? Yeah, uh, there is, actually. There is, a, there is a list. You can, you can look it up. Um, what's interesting about that, though, is I don't think Keon Brooks would be the right kind of guy. Because mm-hmm. Keon Brooks is really more of a 3-4 guy. Yeah. Um, and... I'm looking it up right now as we're talking, um, and I don't think that's what I don't think that's what they need. Um, so let's see. Uh, I, I he had been mentioned as a possibility, um, but I don't I don't know if he's done it. Uh, I'm looking to see here. Unfortunately, unfortunately, what I'm what I'm looking at is not a searchable database. It's just a total database. By, by name. <laughs> it's a so list of like. It's not going to help us. I had read that that was considered a possibility, but um, but I don't know that uh, like, I don't know that it's happened. How big is this transfer portal? I mean, is there like over it's over two hundred? Is it over what like number? Like over 200 or – I mean like where roundabouts it's, it's is it? Four, it's 1,420 right now. Holy crap. Yeah. It's big. It's it's already like completely obliterated previous um, – you know, what was going on last year, uh, which shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. I mean it, it really shouldn't. You, um, I'm going to just do this the easy way as just to get – Keon Brooks um, in there and see. Um, dun, dun, dun. I'm not seeing any indication. I see rumors, but I don't. I don't see any decision has come down yet with regard to Keon Brooks. But um, I would say I'd be a little bit surprised if he would be a guy for Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know where I would Michigan State would probably have interest in a guy like him if Malik Hall were not around. Yeah, but they essentially play that they're the same type of player in a lot of ways, you know. And and honestly, Malik Hall, again down the stretch, kind of like Bingham, I think he found his game again. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Heading into next year, I mean, 
I'll tell you, honestly, and I, this got mentioned the other day, and I started thinking about it. Here's one for you. Who's going to be the captain next year? Because oh, <laughs> That's Boston a good question. Player, Josh Langford and Aaron Henry are all gone. Is there a better candidate than Malik Hall? Yeah, I mean, Probably I think not. Gabe Brown um, has shown that he's one of the hardest workers in the offseason. Yeah, and, and they'll probably have more than one guy. It's kind of hard to see that team. with, But, yeah, maybe Gabe. You know, the, the question with Gabe is, has he – does Izzo feel like he's, you know, shown the maturity fully yet? Because mm-hmm. that's a big step. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, but to me, Malik Hall makes more sense than anybody. You know, that's that kind of shows you where it's at, right? Yeah. You know, maybe Tyson Walker would if he'd been around more, but he's just joining the team, so it's not going to be him. Um, it's an interesting conundrum that MSU was in. Um, that you know, a kid like Julius Marble is obviously a very mature guy and a great student, but you know, has he done enough basketball wise for that? I don't think so. Mm. Um, so it remains to be seen. But anyway. I think, you know, I mentioned this on the maybe it was the last podcast or even the one before. The one that kind of surprised me that we didn't see Michigan State with any expressed interest was Daryl Morsel from Maryland. And there could be a host of reasons why that's not the case. And he hasn't picked a school yet, to my knowledge. Yeah. Um, but there was a list, I recall, and Michigan State was not on it. Um, that could be for a host of reasons. There could be lots of reasons why they're not in on that one. I wouldn't be privy to that. I'm just saying in terms of what that guy brings to the table, mm-hmm. that's, you know, and it, and it might be that Michigan State looks at him and says, well, that's kind of like, um, you know, the kid from Indiana, Durham, where Daryl Morsel is looking for a 25-minute-a-night role, and Michigan right. State might feel like they can't do it. Yeah. You know, and if Amani Bates comes on board, well, then especially you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the complicator there. So I think I think for MSU, they need to add a guy. I know at least from my perspective, which doesn't mean anything in, in the end of this, but from my perspective, it's a particular kind of guy that they need to add, but you've sort of got to thread a needle mm-hmm. because it probably can't be a guy who believes that he's going to have to be the focal point of a team and be a you know twenty five thirty minute a night player get a lot of shots. I, I don't think that's what you're looking to add. Yeah, you're looking yeah. to add a guy who can be really really good defensively, especially in a role, mm. and that you can use to help those freshmen come along to hold guys accountable. You know, and, and but yet isn't going to have his world rocked if he's not getting twelve shots a night. Right. So it's a very specific kind of player, and and to me it looks like they're being patient. Mm. That they're 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 going to wait and see because we're nowhere near done. I just gave you that fourteen twenty number. We're not done. <laughs> it's That's honestly, insane. If you were to tell me that we get, I mean, it's slowing down, of course, but I would suspect we'll easily end up top in fifteen hundred before it's done, and we might even get up sixteen seventeen. Nothing would surprise me, you know, because um, I think what I think what you're going to see here's a here's another thing to think about. We think about all this roster movement. Usually, we think about it in one direction, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's guys going from one school. Okay, you land this guy. 
Well, there's a knock-on effect, which is what do the other guys at that school who just added a player think? Right. Does that compel some of them to say, eh, I don't like my situation anymore. I'm going to move. Mm-hmm. You've seen some of that happen, by the way. You've got lots of teams where they're adding guys and then other guys are leaving. I- I'm going to give you an example of one to watch, and I don't know who might be the guy to move, but Indiana just added Miller Cop today from Northwestern. Um, good shooter. That's about all he is, but he's a really good shooter. Um, and they've already lost uh, Durham and Armand Franklin. But mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, does adding Cop, and they've added other guys too. They added a very highly regarded high school player the other day, Tamar Bates, who decommitted from Texas. Um, they've added a transfer point guard from Pitt, Xavier Johnson. So they've been active uh, both in high school ranks and in transfers. Um, but might adding somebody like Cop cause somebody like, and I'm just pulling his name you know, out, out of a hat, but somebody like Jerome Hunter, mm-hmm. who kind of, Plays, or, you know, I could see Cop being a small ball four. Does does Jerome Hunter look at that and say, eh, you know what? No, not for me anymore. Thanks, guys. I'm not saying he will. I'm just using that as one example of what happens. So the the upshot of this is we don't know yet anything close to the final picture on who's available. I would be very surprised to see Michigan State stand pat at 11, but. I think it's probably going to be 12, and then you see what happens with Imani Bates. Because mm. if you get that wing type we're talking about, what else are you going to add? You know, I, I'm very much an advocate of Michigan State really needing to find someone who can give them a low post presence. But to me, it kind of feels like they like what they've got, and they think yeah. they're going to get enough out of the guys that they have. And you might, they might well be right because, as we have also talked about, just adding a player like Tyson Walker who can run pick and roll effectively, that might give you much better um, rim production, not necessarily via post-ups, but kind of the way MSU got it with Xavier Tillman the previous couple of years where he's so good off the pick and roll that he's getting you point paints or paint <laughs> sorry yeah. about that. Um, that way, rather than pure post-ups, you know? Yeah. And then maybe Julius Marble takes steps defensively and as a rebounder that you get more of his low post production on the court. So that might be where they're at. I, I, sent, I get no sense that they're really looking hard at a big man because the only one they expressed interest in was Harar. And there are guys out there. There's a kid, and I, I think his name is Trey Mitchell, uh, from Massachusetts, very productive player at UMass. 6'11", really, really good. Michigan State nowhere to be found in that recruitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there have been other guys, too. And Michigan State just hasn't been mentioned. So to me, that says, you know what? They don't think they've got a need at that spot. So I don't think it's going to be a big man. I think it's going to be a wing, but a particular type of wing. And then we we see if they can find that fit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but who knows? Maybe they'll go out and they will land a guy who's a big time player at that spot, and then it just throws everything into chaos. <laughs> yeah, from, maybe the from there. Yeah, but you know, we and we know this: if they do, if Amani does get added to the roster, um, 
Monty Bates is going to start. Mm-hmm. So then you start looking at what happens. Would they start Amani and Max Christie? And does that mean Gabe Brown is back to a sixth man role? You know, yeah. does that mean Max Christie is a sixth man? Where does that put Pierre Brooks? And I, I personally think, and then you're adding in maybe a grad transfer to that mix too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a, a combination of Bates, the two freshmen, and Brown would be pretty damn good on the wing, even with its youth. But you probably still want another guy in that mix, a veteran and a guy who's a proven defender, just to hold guys accountable. Mm-hmm. So I still think you want, even if you think Bates is coming, I think you you want to add another piece. You know that also reduces the pressure on Jaden Akins. It means that he can focus more on point. playing the point. Yeah, I, I think they'll play him off ball because God knows he played off ball at at Sunrise a lot this year. Um, they had Kennedy Chandler at the point kid who's going to Tennessee, so it won't be new for Jaden at all. But I also think you want to start getting him in a point guard boot camp mm-hmm. as much as you can. So yeah. interesting times, and, and this is what I mean. We can't even tell for sure what Michigan State's going to look like next year. How can you possibly slot them into the Big Ten and anybody else in the Big Ten race? You just don't know yet. Yeah. So many moving parts. Okay, well, any other news that you can think of? No, I think that's, you know, I mentioned a, I mean, to go down the, the list of what has happened, even at Big Ten schools, is exhaustive. I mean, there's a lot of movement. I mentioned Cop at Indiana. Um, the funny thing is a lot of, or more than I would have expected, intra-conference moves. Cop goes from Northwestern to Indiana. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, that is kind of strange. Um, yeah. Um, then you've got, uh, you've got, um, Jamari Wheeler went from Penn State to Ohio State. That's interesting. Uh, Big move for Ohio State because with um, C.J. Walker gone, they really needed a veteran point guard. And I like Wheeler. I think Wheeler could actually really help that team because they were so bad defensively, and that's one thing he does really well. Um, Those are the only two that are leaping out at me, but I may be missing some. There may be some others. But even to have two of them in the conference is weird. Right, and and again, we might not be done. Who knows where guys are going to go? Um, so, in any event, it's it's really hard to tell. I think if you're a Michigan State fan, you should feel pretty good about where they are right now because uh, they got the guy they really needed at the point. Mm. So they've got that handled. And now you can see, all right, any of these worries about not having enough slots and all that, that's past you. You're done with worrying about that. I think from this point, you just don't want to see anybody else leave because Mm -hmm. there isn't anybody else outside of A.J. Hogard that I would look at and think, well, that's a guy that's not that important to their immediate future. I think everybody else still around matters. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want to see that. And then we just wait and and see how they – fill in the rest of this and and where it goes over the course of the rest of the spring and summer. Okay. Well, we'll wrap it up there uh, until next time. The final four is not on the schedule.
Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.